All right, we want to thank you for joining us. And if you'll stay around till after the service, we're going to have a special women's recognition for mothers and for any woman. Um, if you're like me, you may not have ever given birth to a child, but you've done your fair share of mothering to other people, sometimes adults, sometimes children. <laughs> and so we're going to invite you to stick around. We do have a special recognition for women at the end of the service. And so we'd love for you to stick around. We have a little gift for everybody, for all the women. And so we'd love for you to um, enjoy what we have for you this Mother's Day. And so we're going to begin by looking at the book of Samuel. If you talk about women, and oftentimes when we're talking about women, we look at Proverbs 31, because we think of what a good wife is, and Proverbs 31 is a very popular chapter. And it talks about all those things a woman does. And we talked about a Proverbs 31 woman and how it doesn't matter who we are and who's in our life, but we could still be that kind of woman. And we looked at that last year for Mother's Day. So I was like, oh, let's do a different chapter. And so we're going to invite you to look at 1 Samuel. We're actually going to look at a woman in particular. First Samuel chapter 1. And I'm going to tell you a story about a woman who wanted a child more than anything. There was once a man who lived in Ramethion. He was descended from the old Zufra family in the Ephraim Hills. His name was Elkanah. He was connected with the Zulfas from Ephraim through his father, Jeroham, his grandfather, Elihu, and his great-grandfather, Tohu. He had two wives. The first was Hannah. The second was Peniah. Peniah had children, and Hannah did not. So some of us are mothers. How many of us are mothers in this room? How many of us have never had children? And so Hannah starts our story off without being a woman. Without, with being a woman, but without being a mother. And back then, that's what it meant, though. The fact that, that she didn't have children meant she was looked down upon. Her worth was deemed less because she couldn't uphold that basic thing that women were to do, which was to have children. And so, and the thing is, is Hannah even loved her husband. And she wanted to fulfill what it was, and she wanted to have children. And so it says, picking up in verse 3, Every year this man went from his hometown up to Shiloh to worship and offer a sacrifice to the God of the angel of armies. Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as priests of God there. When Elkanah sacrificed, he passed the helpings from the sacrificial meal around to his wife, Peniah, and all of her children. But he always gave an extra generous helping to Hannah because he loved her more. And because God had not given her any children. 
but her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. That's how the wife phrased it. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Whether or not it's because we haven't had children, or whether or not it's because of something else in our lives, how many of us have ever been made to feel less than worth it? Her husband Elkanah said, Oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Am I not worth to you more than ten sons? He's like, you love me and I love you. Isn't that all we need? So Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together, slipped away quietly, and entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. Then she made a vow. O oh God of angel armies, if you take a good hard look at my pain, if you will quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I will give him completely, unreservedly to you. I will set him apart for a life of holy discipline. It so happened that as she continued to pray before God, Eli was watching her closely. Hannah was praying in her heart, silently. Her lips moved, but no sound was heard. Eli jumped to the conclusion that she was drunk. And he approached her and said, You're drunk. How long do you plan to keep this up? Sober up, woman. And Hannah said, Oh, no, sir, please. I am a woman hard used. I haven't been drinking, not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my Pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It's because I so, am so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here so long. Eli answered her then, saying, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and went her way. Then she ate heartily, her face radiant. Up before dawn, they worshiped God and returned home. And God began making the necessary arrangements in response to what she had asked of him. And here's where the story takes a turn. Before the year was out, Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. When Elkanah stood next to his family on their annual trip to Shiloh to worship God, offering sacrifices and keeping his vow, Hannah did it go. She told her husband, after the child is weaned, I will bring him myself and present him before God, and that's where he will stay for good. Elkanah said to his wife, do what you think is best. Stay home until you have weaned him. Yes, let God complete what he has begun. So she did. She stayed home and she nursed her son until she had weaned him. Then she took him up to Shiloh, bringing also the makings of a generous sacrificial meal, a prized bull, flour, and wine. 
The child was so young to be sent off. The first they first butchered the bull, then brought the child to Eli. And Hannah said, excuse me, sir. Would you believe that I am the very woman who was standing before you as this very spot, praying to God? I prayed for this child, and God gave me what I asked for. And now I have dedicated him to God. He's dedicated to God for life. And then and there, they worshipped God. And if you look at two, Hannah actually prays, and you see a little bit of her prayer of praise. I'm bursting with good news, I'm walking on air, I'm laughing at my rivals, and I'm dancing my salvation. Nothing and no one is holy like God, no rock mountain like our God. Don't dare talk pretentiously, not a word of boasting ever, for God knows what's going on. Now, if you know about Samuel, you'll know that he Eli's sons were very bad people. And even though they were training to be priests, they were not who, what God wanted to represent him. They were corrupt, and they were even evil men. Samuel was a great man. He was the last judge of Israel, and God appointed him to appoint the first two kings, in fact. But without Hannah, there would have been no Samuel. And whether we have children or not, Hannah teaches us some very important life lessons because her story starts before she even has a child. Hannah was a special woman who had all the cards stacked against her, but God blessed her. We said it. Back then, her worth was defined on her ability to have children. And she had none, right? But she prayed. She was constantly taunted. And we've been taunted before, right? Has ever, anyone ever said anything about us that hurt our feelings? Has anyone ever made fun of us and taunted us because we have less than them? That's what Hannah was feeling. She was suffering the anguish of not having a child. And she was basically facing a bully. How many of us have ever faced a bully? That's what the other wife was, was a bully. Back then they may not have identified her as such, but today we know it, right? She had to face down a bully. And year after year, this bully would taunt her and torment her. But year after year, she continued to go to the house of the Lord to offer sacrifices to him, to offer praise to him. She endured by drawing her strength from the Lord. Year by year, she went to the house of the Lord and drew near to him. And that communion with God saw her through whatever she faced, right? She was a woman of endurance. Life knocked her down. Life didn't go as she expected. It was harsh, 
and it could be cruel, but she remained faithful. And that's one, the first thing that we can learn from Hannah, is that no matter what life throws our way, we can endure and get through in the strength of God. Endurance is defined as patience and waiting, even while suffering trials. How many of you guys feel like that's where you're at? How many of you have ever felt like that, right? She was patient and waited on the Lord while suffering tremendous trials. How many of you, though, do not like to be patient? How many, you ever heard that saying, don't pray for patience because you're not, like, granite patience like a magic wand. You're given trials to help you develop it, right? Anyone ever heard that? And then how many of you avoided praying for patience because you thought that that was really how that worked? If patience is a spiritual discipline that God needs you to develop, whether you pray for it or not, he's going to be working on you. Especially if you're at least praying that he help you. That he be working in your lives because he may need you to be developing patience to get you to where he has planned for you. But we live in a society that is all about instant gratification. Polaroid cameras where they would instantly take a picture are not enough. Mail, telegrams are not enough. Even email wasn't enough. Now we have social media where if you wanted to take a picture and send it to everybody, you could do it. In fact, with Facebook, instead of posting our podcast for our sermon, we could have gone on Facebook Live and people could have been like they were right here instead of waiting for the recording to be finished and posted. We are a society that wants it now, right? And endurance comes from patience. And patience is the opposite of now. And sometimes, though, that's when we start to get worried. That's when we lose sight of the end goal. definition of endurance gives us the elements that we need to create when facing trials. Trials are a part of every person's life. Man, woman, boy, girl, young, old, we all face trials. And it gives us the opportunity to find out who we are by who we are trusting in. There's a saying President's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, said you never find out the strength of a woman and how strong she is until you place her in hot water. Just like tea, right? You can have a tea bag, and you don't know how long strong the tea is until you put the tea in hot water. And honestly, what happens with tea? The longer it's in hot water, the stronger it is, right? And so we may be facing some hot water, some trials. But when we rely on God, it's only going to make us stronger. There's that saying that we always tell people, right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That is so true when we are waiting upon the Lord and drawing our strength from him. When we are creating endurance. Endurance means suffering through trials and waiting on the only one who can help us. 
which is God. So are we a woman of endurance? Are we a person of endurance? Are we suffering through something that's not of our own making, or even if it is? Have we surrendered the situation to God and asked to be delivered from it? That's what Hannah did. It wasn't a situation of her creation, but she asked to be delivered from it. She asked for a child. And there may be things we are facing. But have we asked the Lord to deliver us out of it, deliver us through it? And most importantly, have we put our trust in him? Because it's important first to understand what endurance and patience means before we look at the second trait that Hannah had, which was she was a woman who prayed. She prayed. And God blesses those who seek him out through prayer. And I don't mean you have to formally pray sometimes. If God is to be so essential to us, I read something the other day. Have you guys ever heard that song, As the Deer Panteth for the Water, So My Soul Longed After You, right? It's based off of a song. And it talks about a deer panting for water. Now, we may think of it in a dog view, where dogs pant all the time because they get hot, because they get excited. Dogs just pant all the time. But deers, deers pant when they are so thirsty that they are dehydrated. And so when we think of that scripture, when we think of that song in that mind, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Let's face it, we've allowed ourselves sometimes to become dehydrated. We bone dry. We have some flowers up on our table. And actually, for those mothers who stick around, they're actually prizes. If you don't have a place for it today, you can leave it on the table and come back for it at the end of the month. You may have just to make sure on Sundays that they're watered. Because what happens with flowers if they don't have water? They die, right? I'll admit, I am horrible with plants, and I'm horrible with water. And I'm horrible watering plants. <laughs> just it's the way it is. I had a landscaper come out to the house, and they were planting some things, and I told them straight up. I said, don't plant anything that's going to require me to stand out here watering it. Um, if, 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 if the rain that falls from the sky is not going to be enough for it to live, then don't even plant it. They didn't listen to me, and now I have some flower beds that look like graveyards. <laughs> I was really excited when we had that rain come through because some of them start coming back to life, and it reminded me of the Valley of Dry Bones <laughs> where they were Ezekiel spoke into the, the dry bones and they came back to life. I was like... Hallelujah. <laughs> but we get like that, don't we? And we don't even realize it because I don't know about you, but sometimes we go, well, I did water it. But we didn't water it enough. And before we know it, they're dry and, and dead. And we're like, how did this happen? I don't even know what happened, right? We thought that what we were doing was enough, and it wasn't. And sometimes 
what we are getting from God we may think is enough because we think about just getting enough to get through. It's kind of like getting gas in a car, right? How many of you guys fill it up every time you get gas? How many of you just put a little in it just to get where you're going, right? Every time, right? I got five bucks. That gives me half a tank. Half a tank will work for this week. <laughs> not, not in today's traffic, but right? Some of us are like, this is just what I need for this week, so this will count. And sometimes when we're in a period of surplus, we still only do what we need and don't take advantage of the extra blessings. And we can do that when we need to be filled up, when we need extra strength. We only think about what we need. But the strength and power from God is a well that should never run dry. And so if we allow ourselves to run dry, that's on us. Hannah understood that. She prayed. She was like, Lord, I can't take this anymore. She didn't approach prayer lightly, though. And she approached it sincerely. Eli thought she was drunk, right? Babbling. Because he didn't hear words coming out of her mouth. I will be the first to tell you prayer is communication between you and God. You know the only person who can tell you you're doing it wrong? God. But if that's how you communicate with him, I'm sure he's listening. depends. It doesn't matter the words you say. It doesn't matter whether you kneel down to pray. What matters is where you are in your heart. And that's what Hannah understood. She sincerely went before the Lord, beseeching him, crying out to him. She knew that it was a serious matter for her. She spoke with the Lord, cried out to the Lord, wept before the Lord. She didn't pray just a canned prayer. Her words were from her heart. Prayer is more than words, though. It's an attitude. It's not only speaking to the Lord, but opening up to him. Like you would if you are talking encouraging to a good friend, telling him everything that you're facing. Being a woman, a person of prayer, is being one whose strength comes from being in a relationship with God. And you can't have a relationship with someone if you don't talk to them. Right? Because what starts to happen when you have bad communication skills in a relationship? A relationship goes downhill when you can't learn how to express yourself and to listen. That doesn't spell success. I've done marriage counseling for several couples, and I keep telling them communication is key. You need to understand how you guys are going to communicate to each other. And you need to be able to openly discuss things with one another. 
And so the question is, are you a person of prayer, a woman of prayer? Do you have a relationship with God? <laughs> when you face difficulties, does it automatically send you to prayer, asking the one who provides all things to give you strength? Or do you feel lonely and by yourself when problems come? The lesson we learned from Hannah. She knew someone she could lean on and pour her heart out to. God is there for her, and he's there for us. God will bless us when we pray. And he will bless us when we have faith. When we, in endurance, pray to the Lord in faith believing, that's when things happen. I love when it says, you know, she finished praying. Eli said, well, may the Lord answer what you said. You remember what the scripture said, though? Because she went back to eat and her face was radiant. Right? Beautiful. She was no longer sad. She had cried and prayed. And now she was so at peace and happy that it shone out like a beacon of light, right? How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, if you're happy, then you should tell your face? You ever heard that, right? If you're happy, then someone should tell your face? They didn't need to say something like that to Hannah because they could look at her and know there is a woman who is loving life. There is a woman who is happy about who she is and where she's at, right? She was confident, and it shone out. She was confident that now that she had surrendered her burdens to the Lord, guess what? The Lord was going to provide. Does that describe us, though? Or does the second saying describe us, where if we're happy, someone should tell our face? Do people constantly come up to you and say, oh, what's wrong? Or do they say things like, no, you have a really nice smile. You're happy all the time. What's your secret? To be enduring and reliant in prayer, Hannah had faith. She endured because she trusted the Lord, and she prayed because she trusted the Lord. She trusted the Lord because she had faith. How many of us have ever prayed for something and felt like we did not get an answer? How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, unanswered prayers? I've said this before, and I will say it again. I think the word unanswered prayers, that phrase, does a great disservice to God. And it confuses us. Because unanswered has different connotations, right? Unanswered kind of means, well, did he hear it? How many of you guys have ever sent a message and never got a response? 
and you wonder whether they read it or not, right? I don't believe in unanswered prayers. What I do believe is that when we pray, we are given a couple of answers. We know the yes. We rejoice in them. God answers prayers, right? We know that, and we will claim that, and we will shout it out to the rooftops when that happens. When he says no, we get those two. And sometimes, these next two answers, these are the ones where if he doesn't give us the answer we want, we kind of think he's not talking or responding to us because we don't like that answer, right? But in the real world, if someone gives you an answer to a question and it is not the answer you want, does that mean that they did not answer your question? No, it means they answered your question and you just have to suck it up, right? The other two answers we get from God are wait. And sometimes we get a straight out no. We don't like no. And sometimes, but we can, we identify the no, right? But the wait is the one that gets us the most. We talked about the fact that we're not a patient people, right? We talked about endurance, being patient. Good things come to those who wait, exactly. We have to wait. And so when we are enduring and praying, we need to understand those other two answers of prayer that God can give us. Because if we fail to understand that, then times our faith can suffer because we don't think he's listening or hearing. Answer me this. How many of you have ever asked God for something And then you didn't get the answer you wanted right away, but later, and it could even be months or years later, you were given something even better. Guess what your answer was to the prayer the first time you asked? Wait. And wait and no can go hand in hand sometimes because it's going to be no, wait for this. Right? Kind of like, you know, Abraham got himself in that mix up because they were told by God that he would be the father of many nations and Sarah was told that, you know, she would be there and she didn't have any kids and she was getting a little impatient and so she gave her handmaid in Hagar to God, right? To, she gave the handmaid to Abraham and said, lie with her and have a child and this will be our child that the Lord has spoken of. First of all, never Never put your own interpretation on God's words. If you ask for revelation, he will reveal his words to you. But if he is not revealing it to you and it is your interpretation of what he is saying, do not approach that situation without being in prayer. <laughs> Stand clear of those pitfalls. Hagar had a child, right? Was it the prophesied child, though, the father of nations? No, because God had something in store. But Abraham and Sarah didn't understand wait. 
question is, is do we? Because sometimes when we are tested with the answer of wait, our faith wavers. They jumped ahead. They tried to get their blessing right then and there. And it still wasn't what God had in store. God had Isaac planned. And he did it through a miracle, right? Sarah thought she was past the age of childbirth, and so when the angel came to her, she laughed, remember? And then she couldn't speak until she gave birth to the baby. Because she also doubted that the Lord could do what he said he would do. In her waiting, she lost sight of what it meant to endure. And because of that, she kind of lost her faith. The question is, is have we ever found ourselves in that boat? You see, on one side, we have Sarah. But then we have Hannah, and that's what we learn from Hannah, right? If Hannah was sneaky, she could have said, you know what? She could have bribed the other wife and said, I'll give you my portions of the sacrificial meal if the next time you lay with our husband and conceive a child, you give that child to me. But did she do that? It's happened in the Bible before, but she didn't do it. That wasn't her. She prayed about it, and in faith believing, she waited upon the Lord. And what did she get? She got her son Samuel. And here's the other thing that I love about Hannah. She had made that promise that if God gave her a child, she would give it back, right? Now, this is her first, her only child, right? And... At the age of three or four, he would be sent to live in the temple. The only time that they may possibly ever see him is once a year when they would go to the temple to offer sacrifices. So, you're Hannah. You finally got an answer to your prayers, and then you've got to turn it over to God. What do you do? <laughs> Never mind. No, thanks, God, but... <laughs> I think I'm going to keep this one. Why don't you give me one more, and then that time it will work. No, right? She goes, you know what? When he's weaned, I myself will take him up there. And she does. Here's an interesting fact about what happened, though. She was in faith believing. Do you think she had more children? Yeah. The Lord blessed her. Because she was faithful. She was faithful to the Lord. And so he was faithful to her. In fact, she didn't just have one child to replace the one she had given to the Lord. She had many sons and daughters. I know, right? 
<laughs> Bible's not too clear on that, but that's a different moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, the Lord opened her womb from there and blessed her. And she was no longer considered barren. Do we have the endurance? Do we rely on prayer? And do we have the faith like Hannah did? What are we waiting upon the Lord for? And as we wait, let us continue to worship him, knowing he is the source of our salvation, right? So the question we're going to ask ourselves today, as a song plays, is there anything we can learn from the example of Hannah? What can we learn? What do we need in our lives? Are we waiting upon the Lord? And honestly, is there anything we need to go before the Lord and ask for, surrender? What did Hannah do when she didn't have a child? She went before the Lord and she asked him for what her soul cried out for, for what she wanted. She asked. The Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. So there's something that your soul cries out for. Take this opportunity to ask.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for everything that you have given us. Lord, help us to learn from the example of Hannah, to have endurance as we go through our lives, Lord, that we rely on prayer to seek you out, to seek your face, and to know you, that we may be faithful, worshiping you and knowing that you are the source of our strength, our power, and our salvation. Be with us now. We ask these things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week, and we ask you to join us next week. We're going to continue our look. We looked at Hannah and the beautiful example that she set. The very end, it said she was radiant. She was beautiful. And we're going to take this month looking at how we are beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. So we invite you back to join us next week.